is a public service announcement on behalf of the end podcast there will be adult themes and explicit language throughout so if this is going to not reconcile with your sensibilities please find an alternate source of entertainment or simply lift your skirt and grab your balls toodle pip <laughs> right this is the third practice run of the end podcast and vod I am your comics Jesus, and these are my five favourite disciples. We're going to go around if each of you can introduce yourselves. Start with Brian, say hello to the people. Yo, Boogie Down Brown, live and direct on the MIC, coming to you from the south coast of the UK. Find me on Twitter at B-O-0-G-I-D-D-O-W-N. Boogie Down, I'm here with the end crew. Let's go. Ollie, if you want to introduce you, introduce yourself to the people. Hi. Nice <laughs> <laughs> right to the point. No wasted of language. Perfect introduction. Joe, over to you. Hey, I'm Joe Pocket. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at double zero Joe Pocket. I'm coming to you from Quebec, Canada. Can you just let the people know where you are? Uh, I'm coming to y'all live straight from uh, East Texas in the middle of nowhere, aka hell. Uh, you can follow me live on, or you can follow me on Twitter at uh, at forty ounce underscore goose. Uh, easy to find. Uh, I, I should be my little names down here somewhere. We're putting up name tags, right? Uh, yeah, y'all can find me there. Coming to y'all live from Texas. Let's uh, get this thing on the road. Oh, and Tim, Tim, introduce yourself, Tim. Yeah, uh, my name is Tim. You can find me at, at TM Bagshaw um, on Twitter. And I'm coming from the Rocky Mountains of the US and A uh, from Salt Lake City, Utah. My goodness, that was salacious. I can't believe it. I've got a bit of a sweat on already, guys. That was perfect. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. The temperature's rising. I can feel it already. Um, yeah, and I didn't say I am at Marvel Spank uh, on all platforms. And this is the end pod. So I think the only true and proper place to start this week is with the incredibly sad news um, of the passing of Sean Connery. I think he is what many people to consider the best Bond. And I think it would be fair to say the uh, first action hero as well. So if you guys have anything to say or any um, thoughts on it, I'll be happy to hear. Uh, I guess uh, I guess I'll go ahead and start it off. Um, I grew up watching Sean Connery as Bond. Uh, it's my grandfather's favorite series of all time, uh, and and Sean Connery's his favorite Bond. And so I, I grew up watching him, and and not just that, but a, as I grew up, I saw him in other things like The Rock, uh, and all the all the other work that he did. Man, he's just he was one of my absolute favorites, and uh, I didn't know that he had passed. Uh, we were I mean, it was yesterday that he passed, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. on Halloween. Um, yeah, we were uh, we were at the house uh, hanging out. I don't get good service out here for the most part, and I think one of uh, I think Brian was it you that posted something about him and tagged me in it. I think that that's how I ended up finding out. And super bummer, dude. I mean, he was only he's ninety. He lived a really good life, and he got. I mean, hell, he got the most out of it. I mean, that dude was pushing the original uh, jumper for dude or romper for dudes. Uh, he was out here making fashion choices as what Z as Zardoz was out here making fashion choices as him that nobody could pull off in, in, in his time or any other time. 
Uh, and, and I think he's one of the greats, and he's always going to get it down as, uh, like like uh, Matt said, like the best Bond. He's, he's always going to be the best Bond. He's always going to be one of the quintessential action heroes, uh, like, a, like a Steve McQueen type. Uh, if not, if Steve McQueen being a Sean Connery type. And so uh, definitely, uh, definitely props to the legend that, that uh, it was Sir Sean Connery. Uh, rest in peace. I, I was never a big Bond guy. I mean, I've seen many of his Bond movies and I'm more of a Daniel Craig Bond, like a recent convert. But for me, Sean Connery is, is just all that comes down to me for either both The Rock and also Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which by the way, came yes. out like 19, what is that? Like 1990 or something like that? Or 80, I don't even remember. It was like 88. I think it was the same year as Batman. So 88. Something like and, that. And I remember thinking then that he, he was ancient. I mean, he looks like an old man in that movie. And he had like this very long, like 40 year kind of distinguished old man life. And I think it's like the quality of his acting, which made him come off as like very old in Indiana Jones, but he was only 50 years old at that time. Um, so I, I just, I always thought of John Connery as like the older distinguished Connery as opposed to the young dapper Bond for me anyway. So, you know, he was 90, but I don't know. When it finally comes, it's all. I feel like it's always too soon, no matter how old you live. For me, it's a little bit like uh, for Tim. Uh, when you see, when you saw Sean Connery, you couldn't not think about how more classier he was, the more he grew older. And uh, it was kind of a hope message for men. Yeah, I'm not great right now, but maybe when I will grow, grow older, mm -hmm. maybe I will look distinguished too. I will look classy. <laughs> <laughs> he was the original salt and pepper like guy right? before Clooney. Yeah. I think he was voted sexiest man alive, the people sexiest man alive when he was like in his either 50s or 60s. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's surprising. I think with people like Sean Connery, that they've they've been in the zeitgeist for so long that that their sort of persona and like as you were saying, he's sort of like the the sort of quintessential debonair gentleman with just like endless style that doesn't really have to commit to anything, but just kind of oozes it. And I think um, I mean I'm going to be forty next year, so it's around this time where, as you say. You've had these older actors that just seem to have been iteratively a little bit older than me, the same amount their whole lives. And then to yeah. see them go, you just expect them to always just be that older guy that's just not going to go away. But I think the good thing about that is, is that they're so strong in the memory. One of the things is you die twice, once when you actually die. And then the second time is when the last person says your name. So for people like Sean Connery who live uh, forever through through people's ongoing appreciation because of what they did when they were alive. I needed to jump in on the conversation. No, I mean, um, it, the interesting thing was that um, um, if you saw my post, it's basically about um, uh, that I loved what he did in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And I think that film came out in 2003. And one of my favorites. Yeah, I loved it. It got panned. It got, you know, so many raspberries and whatever. But I thought, I mean, yes, it could have been better. Yes, it could have been a bit more action. But apparently he read the script. He thought it was a bit of nonsense, did it. But he hated the experience. So yeah. much so, he retired from acting after that. I mean, 
Yo, this guy is sick. So I didn't even realize. It was just I was when I was hearing the obituary on the Reuters, and I was just like, "What? It's been what seventeen years since I've seen him in anything live, and you didn't even fathom that one he was ninety because he's just like you said, Matt. He's just forever young. He's forever Bond, and he is the benchmark by which anything else is measured. <coughs> Amazing. He hasn't been in anything since two thousand three. Wow, that's incredible. I, I have the same reaction as you, them, because I, I just assumed oh. he was in things and I just didn't see him. He's just so ubiquitous and so thoroughly colonized like Hollywood. They just yeah. assume he's making films, you know? There was a lot of things uh, written about his last movie. Uh, he hated it. He refused, he reportedly refused to do uh, uh, multiple times some scenes one take and uh, for him it was over and uh, yeah acting uh, started to to be really really hard and tiring for him he he started hating it hating it i mean imagine having seen like um how hollywood's progressed from the early days when it was probably um like actors not necessarily doing their own stunts but everything was very practical and very hands-on and at, at the risk of the people on set. Imagine spanning all that time, 50 years, the evolution of the cinematic process. I mean, it would just be, I mean, to think of all the stories and all the, all the knowledge and I mean, I mean, what, what would you do to just read memoirs over that time? Can you imagine directing a guy with that kind of pedigree? I just thinking about like the directors that would have tried to attempt to direct his acting. There's a story from The Rock, which is from 96, where um, Michael Bay tried to direct Sean Connery's acting and, and Connery just looked at him and said, fuck off, why don't you go blow something up? I just love that. Oh, goodness. Matt was talking about actors uh, that, that started acting uh, 50 years ago, but, but uh, then you would have told them, and then you're gonna play in front of the on a, of a green screen, green screen yeah. nobody would have believed it. Uh, yeah, it changed so much. Mm. I'm not sure ever of uh, last remaining one uh, like that. Mm. Well, yeah, that's true. It's definitely like one of the last of that age. Can you imagine being uh, Ian McKellen, of who must be of a similar age? He did the entire oh. of the Hobbits Hobbit films on his own because he or they had to shoot the scenes twice and then put the hobbits in with him of them obviously smaller so he did the whole <laughs> the Hobbit films on his own in front of a green screen he said it was the most soul destroying thing he's ever done and they were hours and hours and take after take yeah, yeah. Whoa. so imagine if you're just acting that whole thing and imagining this whole fucking running around in a room by yourself <laughs> yeah. at what, whatever age was that you know, 70 yard, 80 yard blank. You'd be like, nah, fuck me shit. <laughs> we were the next guy that, the next guy I envision, like who's, who is the same age, I think, Gene Hackman, who hasn't acted in anything since I think like 2000, right around the same time, might even be a little earlier. It was his replacements. Nice. Yeah, I think his, the Royal Tenenbaums was his second to last movie. The last movie he did was with, um, like Ray Romano, some comedy that was just like badly panned. It was his last movie. Mm. Similar guy. I always remember him as being like distinguished, 
even back with like the French connection was in the seventies. You struck me as like a distinguished older guy mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. same type of same, same type of pedigree. It's just like, you know, that, 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 that era of, of film uh, stars coming to an end, unfortunately. So uh, is, is everybody ready to move on to the, the first uh, news point? Anybody want to add anything else? No. Okay. So first up is there's been quite a few developments with both um, the Snyder Cut and also the DC EU. Um, so in the Batman uh, film, there are two things to come from set. Now this is um, uh, just over a week ago. The first is that there was a, a license plate that was snapped um, as a set prop and it was in 2019. Now because it's supposed to be year one or two, I think everybody assumed that it was going to be impossibly um, in the 80s. It's going to be a period piece. And the second thing was there was two people in costume. Um, so you can maybe assume that it's uh, um, around the time of Halloween, which sort of um, makes you think of certain Batman plots. And, and that was of Superman and Wonder Woman. So do they exist in that universe? The second uh, one that I want to go through is the ever-expanding cast of uh, Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League cut. We're now supposed to be having Green Lantern. We're now supposed to be having um, Joker, Deathstroke, and the budget for the, I'm calling it a remake now. It's not a re-edit. It's spiraling over 100 million. I can't, I can't understand Deathstroke because he was teased, he was present in one scene. Okay, but the others. Mm. Do you want to pick this one up, Tim? Yeah, well, one thing I want, just based on those facts and then the... Two other facts I think that may, that really ask the question like, what is DCEU going to do with, in terms of uh, its ongoing continuity? Mm -hmm. So the first fact, aside what, from what Matt said, is the idea that the Snyderverse, notwithstanding all these the entire this like seventy to ninety million dollar remake, is going to be outside of DCEU continuity. It's now its separate thing, a Snyderverse as opposed to part of the DCEU. And the second thing is just the amount of money they're spending on this remake. And I agree, it's not a cut; it's a remake. Yeah. Um, you know, 70 million at least, possibly up to 90 million. Mm -hmm. And it really begs the question. So those two facts beg the question of what they're going to do in terms of the ongoing continuity going forward, because those suggest very different paths. If you just take the first point, which is the idea that um, the Snyderverse is outside of continuity. So then you have the Snyderverse, which is his own separate thing. You've got the trilogy or possibly now the fourth movie, right? If, if you're if you're counting his Justice League cut as a fourth separate movie. Mm -hmm. And then everything else, including, you know, everything like Wonder Woman, Shazam, um, Black Adam coming up, whatever, the, just the rest of the stuff that they have, the, the slate of movies they have. It looks like they're moving further and further away from a kind of MCU-like continuity. Um, and it begs the question, is that a good thing? Is First, is that what they're doing? And is that a good thing? I think it could go either way because um, on the one hand, if you just look at their TV shows, they've got, wildly different tones to those TV shows. So you got Arrowverse, you've got Stargirl, you've got Titans, you got um, Doom Patrol, their own kind of discrete universes with wildly different tones. So there's really something for everybody to pick up if you want to dive into the DC uh, television universe. Um, so maybe they're doing that with the movies. Um, and I think it might be not a bad idea because um, one thing about the, one of the things about the MCU that people critique is the fact that all the, the tones seems to be the same, right? Over time, so if you watch these movies, you know, however many there've been in the in the in the first wave, they 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 do seem very tone similar. 
whereas the DC TV shows feel very tone different. And so I think that could be a, an angle, a way to distinguish DC from the MCU and a, and a potentially a, a, a good thing for them. But on the other hand, the other fact, the fact that they're spending 70 or $90 million in this reshoot really does not suggest that they're, they're just gonna cut this and just let Snyderverse cut Snyderverse off, right? It seems like there might be something going on further with them, especially considering all the, all the characters they're bringing in. Yeah. Um, so that suggests that maybe they are gonna do something with continuity. Um, in terms of Snyderverse being its own separate universe, they can do a kind of multiverse with the rest of the DCEU. Um, so that, I mean, it could go either way. Those two facts to me are, are, are like striking because they're, they suggest very divergent paths. I don't know. So those are my thoughts on it. I think with, um, with the budget, if you're thinking they're going to get, did they say, how many parts is it? Is it four parts or six parts? Four. four parts. I think that if you look at the budgets of some, some programs like Game of Thrones, where it's getting up to 10, 15, 20 million an episode. And you think for HBO, all they've done is take on existing mm. um, content and then adding that kind of budget to it. Um, I mean, they'd probably have to run the numbers through um, to see if it's going to work out. Um, I mean, on with, I think there are rumors that Snyder is potentially going to continue with HBO content. Um, mm. And there was rumors that um, AA's uh, cut of Suicide Squad, uh, which I, actually quite like to see because I was looking forward to that film and it's absolute trash for me anyway some people um, might I, like I think it's an interesting point where you're saying is this a good thing I think it's like X, the X-Men films having Deadpool Logan Days of Future Past and all these different plates spinning if they're good films it doesn't matter people only bring in the continuity problem when the films aren't good enough and that's when the criticism happens. But nobody cared that Deadpool wasn't in it. Nobody cared that Logan wasn't in continuity. It was just when Apocalypse came out and it was just steaming to a pile of shit. That's when people started really like getting, finding things problems. But really they should have just been like, stop making bad films. <laughs> but I think there's quite a bit of that as well. I don't think people weren't saying that. I mean, I've been on, I don't know if you've been on Twitter. There's <laughs> something to consider it's that Warner wants to be in the Snyder business. They, want, they don't want to lose him. They mm -hmm. need him. They don't want to take the risk of him going, making his film elsewhere. So if they had to finance a Snyder cut, even a non-existent one that, uh, that they are making right now, uh, it must be worth it for, for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, look what happened with James Gunn, similarly. Um, he could have taken his pick of any studios and when DC picked him up, they said, you can have any character you want. You can even do Superman. And the same with Suicide Squad. He was allowed, he's been said that he's allowed to kill off any character he wanted, even Harley Quinn. So I think when you've got, you're right, when you've got these big name um, directors, I think that their, their pedigree, it's not, it's not only about, um, the star power of them, it's the star power that they attract as well. And it makes mm -hmm. making films a lot easier. And then rate remakes for a hundred million. It makes that a lot easier as well. Yeah. He's he's profitable. I mean that that's yeah. a fact. I mean people yeah, watch absolutely. people go to see the movies and it might be they're just splitting the baby because we know that they don't have really the resources or foresight to to create um you, you know an, an entire apparatus of continuity you know for 10 to 15 years down the road, like Marvel does. So they might be just splitting the baby and say, we're gonna make these discrete movies now that are gonna be good. I mean, Shazam, very well received. Wonder Woman, very well received and distinct. Um, and then keep Snyder, you know, doing a Snyderverse stuff and then maybe 
maybe some down, sometime down the road have a way we can connect them. Well, so, well, I mean, the, then you know, then you know, hang on, the connection is coming. That's with the Flash movie. So the Flash the movie with Tim Burton and, and apparently, apparently Christian Bale and Batfleck, those mm. have all signed up that's supposed to be here. So oh, well, that, we, yeah. it, once you got Flash running through time, fucking that's it. And so that means everything's on the table. That brings Joker in, that brings 60s Batman in, everything. You're talking about multiverse now. So with the Flash movie, that's supposed to be it. So it just means DC can now, whatever the fuck they want, it can have its own pocket of the Batman universe. It can have Snyderverse. And it doesn't have to be this whole kind of thing that Marvel has already set the trend for. So I think now the race is now or the superpower race is is it going to be the multiverse of madness or is it going to be flashpoint which one's gonna you know yeah. really gonna do the job of bringing all these random stories together Ima imagine the problem if they they lost uh, snyder uh, we were talking about uh, making big names come in and uh, making film but uh, if they were if they antagonized snyder Or, or do you make uh, other directors to come make film with you? Well, we saw with um, oh god, what's his name? Who's the who's who's the cyborg guy? Ray Fisher. He said yeah. that one of the reasons that he was happy to have Josh Webbin was because um, um, Snyder personally chose him, and apparently Snyder had such a good relationship with the cast. I mean, look at Batfleck; he's come back to to <laughs> for reshoots for a TV program. That's that's the pull he had. So yeah, it's definitely something that they'd consider, like the the actual um, staying power of directors and 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 their pull to existing cast for existing um, productions. Right. Second uh, news topic is uh, the DC 5G abandonment. I know it's such a mouthful, 5G, which is supposed to be. I thought it was just a, a like a play on words for like the new technology or DC. We're like like phones. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think you've got some dissension. <laughs> Special guest. Yeah. So yeah, the DC, uh, which stands for fifth generation, and it was a Didio's project before he um, was uh, unceremoniously jettisoned, um, and it was going to be another reset, supposed to be going back to pre-rebirth, uh, and that's been um, put on the shelf. Um, completely, and there's just going to be a two-month pause in the regular solicit solicits while they do other universe stuff, and then it's probably throw what's throw what they can at the, the wall and see what sticks going forward. I think that's important for two things, really. I think the first one is uh, the significance of DC abandoning it as an idea of videos and what they're going to do going forward, and also we're two and a half years into fresh start now, so I think that we've seen a positive and a negative effect for universe um, reset. So do you want to pick this one up, Goose? Oh, would I love to. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so I don't know how everybody felt about 5G. Um, I was not enthused with it at all, mostly because um, I think I may have mentioned before, one of the big things that got me back into comics after a few years hiatus was, uh, was Doomsday Clock. And um, I really felt gypped 
near the doomsday clock when I felt like I just wasted what was supposed to be a year. I wasted two and a half, almost three years on uh, to get a, a fucking 5G intro that now doesn't mean anything. I don't mean to be so passionate about this, but holy shit. How do you introduce how do you introduce some of the greatest characters that have that have ever been written? And that's whether you like Watchmen or not, we can agree that 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 that, 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 that the legacy that these characters have have on, on comics themselves is, is just is enormous. I mean they're, they're they're huge. And so to to bring them in and man, I was cool with a lot of stuff. I was cool with us having uh I, I was cool with us having a, a new Rorschach, I was cool with mom, I was cool with the way a lot of stuff started, and then like Fucking, we get to the end and it's 5G, and, and man, dude, I was pissed. So with this cancellation of 5G, I was cool with it. But let's not pretend this future state stuff is not just rehashed 5G shit that that was supposed to already come out. And, and I, I just kind of feel like it's uh, like the whole future state stuff that we're getting is just stale, and I'm not looking forward to it. I'm gonna buy the shit. I love DC. I'm gonna buy the Batman stuff. Uh, I'm talking about the Harley Quinn stuff. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a whore for for Batman. I'll, I'll buy anything, and, and so I'll probably talk shit until I get it, and I'll be like, "Oh, this is incredible!" But in the back of my mind, I'll still be like, "Yo, fuck 5G, fuck what they did to to Doomsday Clock, fuck all that, uh, fuck all that shit." I still got, a, I've still got a short box full of my DC comics that, in large bold letters, says, "Fuck Jeff Johns." Anyway. <laughs> Those are the ways that I feel about 5G getting canceled. And, and look, I like I like Dan, I like Dan Dio, and I'm glad he's getting work and stuff like that. But oh boy, I was not happy with his 5G shit, and I'm kind of glad that it got thrown right out the fucking window. Uh, <laughs> you know. And it opens the door for Wade to come back to DC. I like Wade. The stuff I that just, he did on Daredevil was incredible. Yeah, yeah, totally. And his Flash stuff, you know, he couldn't work with Didio. They hated each other. So now he can come back. I didn't know that. Didn't know a lot that. of the people at DC would like, Gail Simone had to do like, I'm sad to see him leave, but we did not get on. And there was a lot of things like that, like well-wishing, but sort of caveated with, kind of glad to see the back of him, but no one, you never want to see anyone get fired. There's been numerous reports of uh, fights between uh, Scott Snyder and uh, Dan Didio. And mm -hmm. that, uh, that, that's been said that it resulted in, the, in his termination. Mm. Like there's a lot of um, words like toxic atmosphere and things like that being used after he left. Have you seen they've, um, they've actually pulled in a lot like Marvel have done with great success with, I know I messed up a list of it last week with like ten, uh, is it Tennessee Coates, um, Ethan Sachs, Rainbow Rowell, um, like people that are um, doing sort of young adults or even like um, Sachs was like a political columnist, wasn't he? And they brought him in to do. So I think they've, they've sort of looked at that and that for 5G, the, the two, two months solicits they're doing, they're bringing in cartoonists and manga guys, and they're kind of giving a, a free floor to a lot of new talent that pre previously hasn't written any comics. I think that, if nothing else, that's kind of exciting. I'm looking forward to that. <clears throat> and you mentioned Ethan Sachs, and anytime his name gets brought up, I have to mention this. I don't know if y'all read his uh, old man, um, his old man uh, qu quill that he did. But there's a, there's a, there's a, I don't know, I, I don't want any spoilers, it shouldn't spoil anything, but there's a scene in issue seven, there's a panel where uh, Doom is walking around, and there's a throne in his room, and his throne is made of the fucking 
thing. And it is the most brutal thing I've seen in comics in forever. And it's like he's just walking around nonchalantly while he's got a throne made of the thing's fucking body sitting right there. And and I had to ask, I was like, Ethan, I was like, was that you? Or was like, was that the artist? And he's like, oh, it was both of us. And I, it's like, God, it's such a great thing to see, to know that Doom just goes and sits down on top of the thing when he's just sitting in the future <laughs> land and savage land and shit. Um, but no, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what new voices can be brought in and what they can bring to the table. Because like you said, with, with Marvel, how they brought in a lot of people, with, like with Scotty Young on Deadpool. That makes so much sense. It was such a good run. Um, I've even got the, the, the discontinued, uh, number five issue that had the garbage pail kids weighed on the front that they like got sued for. Um, but the, the, his whole series was super good. It was super funny. Um, and, and I like, um, oh God, uh, Thompson, um, what's your name? Um, Kelly? who's writing, Kelly. yeah, Kelly Thompson, who's writing Deadpool now. I love what she's doing with it, but God, I really wanted to see like Scotty Young spend a little bit more time on that, but. To see these new voices and stuff, man, like I mean, I'm excited for it. Like I said, I'm gonna buy this shit regardless. Uh, but um, I still just my problems lie uh, starting in November. It was like November 17th of 2017 when Doomsday <laughs> Clock was released. So I'm biased. <laughs> it's funny. Three actually, fucking thinking... years, man. Three fucking years. <laughs> God. Anyways. I think without solely focusing on the uh, the turmoil well, um, DC, I think that looking at two and a half years now with fresh start, and I think at the time it was a third reboot in a year after we did um, the legacy, legacy, and what was before legacy? I can't remember, but there was two or three in about eight months at Marvel, and I thought fresh start for fuck's sake, here we go again. We're all going to be starting with number ones again. And then they were saying, we're going to have legacy numbers and we're going to have number ones. And people were like, oh my God. It was kind of like the offside rule. Like, oh, why can't they just fucking leave it alone? Oh, they make it, no one understands what offside is anymore. And so I went, it's quite straightforward. Let's stop making it into something that you can't. You've got one number, which is all the, all the issues ever. And the second one, which starts from one today. If you can't work that out, you're probably not going to be able to fucking read them. Or do you want me to just get you a colouring book? Is that what you want? A colouring book? <laughs> a colouring book with Spider-Man in it. Anyway, eyes were being rolled. But I think... They've done a lot of good things. There's not this blunderbuss approach to um, solicits. It seems if they want to try something new now, they're going a limited series, test the water, like um, the Rogan Gambit one that went on to Mr. and Mrs. X before the reboot. Um, and I think that the, you've put, it's, at least at the beginning, they had creatives that really wanted to write things, writing things. So you had like Kate's going on Venom. You had Rosenberg going on Punisher. Mm, things have. like... Scotty Young on Deadpool just seemed to make sense after the stuff he was doing. I hate Fairyland. But and Jason Aaron going on the Avengers just seems to be the most common sense thing. I mean, but, I mean, did that not did that not do well? Was he the one who wrote um, what was it? Uh, Avengers No Road Home. It was like a ten issue um thing where was it Wade? Yes. Yeah, it was Wade. I think at that. Did point. Wade? Did Wade yeah. do no? Did Wade? Wait, wait, did no road home? Okay. Well, what happened was because there was, um, there'd been a, an, about three or four different Avengers teams. You had um, uh, all new, all different, um, which was like the young team that went into champions. Then you had um, all new Avengers, which was uh, the one that Ewan was doing, which went into US Avengers. And then yeah. you had um, the actual Avengers. And it was kind of 
Oh, and then there was Uncanny Avengers, which was absolutely brilliant. That was so, so good. And it was Who just- wrote that? It was Duggan because he was doing Deadpool at the time and Deadpool was the leader <clears throat> of that team. That was really- Oh good. shit, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. First, first arc wasn't that good, but it reconciles the um, looking for, <clears throat> looking for um, the Red Skull and trying to get um, Xavier's brain back. And once it got further and further into that arc, it was just superb, really was. Took me by surprise because I wasn't really expecting much. <clears throat> no Surrender was really about pulling all these teams together and it was co-written. I think Ewan, Duggan, maybe Wade as well. I don't know if they did issues each. Or was, no, was No Surrender where uh, where Immortal Hulk made his first appearance? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. Okay. That's definitely worth reading. I came in right after that. I am now going to move it on to the third and final news point, and that is now this is basically scooper bullshit like i i don't believe it like it as much as if you read everything that scoopers say every week or every month there'll be a hundred things and one of them's going to be right so i'm not saying this is a matter of fact what i'm basically saying is it asks sort of like um it asks good questions of what you'd want as the mcu going forward and what role the other universes should now hugh jackman is supposed to have um two years worth uh, to, um, a contract on the table for two years to join the MCU. Now, I don't really believe that because I think he's getting too old and one, he wouldn't really want to do it. Like, he's, he's in his 50s now. Is he going to be playing him when he's 70? I don't think so. You're just <laughs> kicking that problem down the street. And But the thing to come out of it is, is that that's, that contract's never going to be signed. But what they have is given him um, a one guest appearance they're supposed to be in Spider-Man Homeworlds, which is an un unconfirmed working title, I think. So first of all, do we, would we want any of the Fox uh, or Sony um, characters to come in as is um, into the MCU? Or do we want a clean break? And how would we feel about Hugh Jackman even making a guest appearance in the MCU? Uh, do you want to pick this one up, Ollie? Not sure I, I want to see them. I I would prefer separate things. Uh, uh, short guest appearance, uh, sort of an homage, sort of things, but I'm not sure about... I, I would like, okay, we, uh, an apparition of Old Man Logan, one, two, three seconds, tops, and that's all. Mm -hmm. uh, I would prefer a new cast and uh, a real concrete universe and not several ver version of all the characters. I, I know it's planned. I know it's going to happen with Spider-Man all around. Uh, all the actors that previously played the role are going to come back, but uh, it's not my taste. I, I prefer something uh, more strictly separated from the, the previous work. Yeah, and I think with um, with the Sony stuff, I think they can have away with it more because they've got to keep. Um, well, it's not Pascal anymore, is it? She does the. She's one of the production companies involved, but she's not an executive producer. Maybe she's executive producer, but she's not the producer for Sony anymore. So, I think that one has a lot more wriggle room because they're still sort of held to ransom a little bit by Sony, even though it's mutually beneficial. But I think with the old X-Men stuff, I don't think there's anything to be gained. I think that it only blurs the lines going forward. And I think the longer they leave it to bring the X-Men in, the better it will be. Because um, they, they need to just cut that cord. 
Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with y'all for the most part, but um, if we're going to get into uh, multiverses, which is something we've, we've talked about in the past two uh, episodes that we've done, if we're going to talk, if we're going to get into the multiverses, um, <clears throat> I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, Spider-Man um, see, look through, you know, a portal or something that, that Dr. Strange has jumped through and you see mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman standing there, like from one of the scenes of the movies. I, I wouldn't give a shit about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would like it. I would like an all new X-Men cast. I would like my Wolverine to not be a six foot three Australian man, but a five foot three Canadian cigar smoking, hairy brute, somebody who is like just three men wide, uh, just hairy and angry. And he's pissed off at everything. Like he's so hairy. People take blurry photographs of his ass in the woods. Like I want, I, who I want. Like, I want I want Danny DeVito to play my Wolverine. It's basically what I'm saying. I, I'm not gonna lie to you, Goose, mate. I feel like you're doing an audition during this podcast. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit! I'm a uh, I am six a little angry, Goose. Very angry. <laughs> One of my buddies. I'm to the waist and raw force. <laughs> I'll be Sabertooth. Sabertooth's tall. He's hairy. He's angry. Sorry, One of my buddies thought that Robin Williams would be perfect back in the day. Yeah. He was like, that guy, he's got the size, he's hairy, you know, he can do serious roles. He was like, Robin Williams for Wolverine, he'd fit it perfectly. I was like, so oh, true. Maybe. yeah, it wouldn't be a bad... Uh, I, I've always thought Daniel Radcliffe until I saw a lot of Daniel Radcliffe films. <laughs> 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 like, um, people are dismissing him too easily. And then it's not like Robert Bat- Battenbach. When you actually oh. go through what he's done since um, since he was in Twilight, you're like, oh, actually, this guy can act. Like, Daniel Radcliffe's yeah. just done a, a bunch of roles where, at best, he's acting himself. He's just being, like, yeah. a quaint little dude from England. I mean, like, look, I, like, I'm coming in off the back of uh, 40 Ounce, and um, I'm, I've still got a bit of nostalgia. I think every motherfucker in the X-Universe didn't get a spear shake, especially the Apocalypse crew. Um, I think, you know, I love um, uh, Fassbender as Magneto. Um, he's fucking heavy. Um, he just, they just weren't directed right. Uh, you know, I, th- I think, I don't um, think the quality of the you're talking act- about- actors, I think it, it I mean, I, I, I put it this way. I know that it ain't going to be, well, everything's gone back a year now. So it was five years before COVID. So now let's say six years. You're not going to see anything X-rated um, for at least five, six years. So I think that will give you the time to um, make a fresh break and come in fresh. But I would love for those guys to get like some proper direction, proper production, a proper fucking budget under the MCU. And so I'll go, that's what it should have been. Yeah. We are the lo- love that. So I- it's not, not a problem with any of the actors and stuff, it was just, shit over at Fox. That's all it was. It was just shit. You said that none of the crew got a fair shake. Um, I would just like to say that I, anytime Olivia Munn needs anyone to give her a fair shake, uh, I would gladly I would give her several fair shakes. Bring her back. Uh, Bring her back. I didn't mean to interrupt to talk about how I would do dirty, terrible things to Olivia Munn, but if you're listening, honey, I'm not married yet. <laughs> <laughs> It's quite funny, actually. Some of the rumours for the MCU with um, traditionally mutant characters like Storm coming into Black Panther 2. 
and also Omega Red, as we discussed in um, in the first run, uh, being a part of the Shang-Chi tournament. Uh, and I think, yeah, we might see a progressive introduction like we had with uh, Black Panther and Spider-Man in um, Civil War. And it might not be that we just have an X-Men film. It might be that we introduce characters and one bit by bit we have an X-Men film and half the cast already established. Okay. Anyone that knows stuff about the Eternals, right? They were <laughs> dormant, right? And they were the architects of humanity and human genome and shit. So it's going to pick up after the snap. Um, they all going to start coming, you know, waking up like, oh shit, finding each other. It's going to be all of that. Like, night's going to come into it. And I think as a result of all of that, it's going to be like, you know, is it, is it, is it the Cree and all of that kind of geneticist shit that happened millennia ago? Is going to start kicking off in people's um, DNA and stuff. And so they're going to start formulating and then popping up and cropping up in the next generation. So I think, I think if anything, that just undoes my argument, you know, and they, they go got brand new, fresh out of the box, X-Men popping up and a reason for them to be. But um, if we're going to do Multiverse of Madness, then, you know, maybe we can bring them in as well. So I don't know. I mean, what kind of teams would you guys like to see? I, I, I'd be all up for just going um, the Grant Morrison run and just having um, like Pixie and Glob and Armour. Glob, Herman, baby! I, would, I wouldn't even go X-Men. I'd do something different like Excalibur or Alpha Flight yeah. or something like that. You know, just push it. Like, look, look at um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Who the fuck were they before, before the film? Mm -hmm. You know, so go out, go out. We don't have to go X, we don't have to go big. Go out there and bring them in and then you start to create the family of fucking X. Yeah, that's a, that's a good analogy because Guardians, you know, they've had many, many different teams over the years. And then once they made the film, that became the definitive team. Yeah. So you don't have to have a team set before you go into the movie. The movie can make the team. Yeah. And going yeah. back to what we were saying earlier, like legitimately, if it's good, it's good and people won't care. Mm -hmm like make a good film and then the rest of it or just make a good film and then what you've done and who you've put in it will be good. You can do any anything with any team and if it sucks, people aren't going to buy into it. Mm -hmm. Okay, if we move on to the cover story, which is Borat 2. And I'm really excited about this because I absolutely fucking loved it. <laughs> I was expecting it to be some like drawn out sort <coughs> You're fucking this COVID tabasco. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting some drawn out, sort of long in the tooth, replay, rehash of what had already been uh, before. But what we had for me was just this surprisingly touching and emotive story about Bora um, going back and being shamed in his country for what happened and then discovering that he has a daughter locked in the garden shed and then needing her assistance to bribe American officials with 15-year-old uh, sex. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 just, I just adored it. I, as, we, as we said before we uh, uh, hit record, that I, was, I thought I'd have it on in the background because I had to watch it for today. And after 10, 15 minutes, I was just glued to it. It was superb. So uh, do you want to pick up Brian? Yeah, so let's let's start with the title, which is a rascal mouthful. It's Borat, subsequent movie film, right? Colon, 
delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know. And I think, you know, the great thing about it is, you know, we're talking about comics in, in fucking continuity. Borat put it down pat. The thing about without even talking about the mechanics of the film, what's uh, phenomenal about this or what prompted it, I remember um, I was just uh, on, on one of my YouTube recommendations, I was watching uh, Hollywood Actors and it was, you know, Hollywood Studio and, you know, when they interviewed like Creme de la Creme of Hollywood, it was a comedy edition and it had um, Sasha in it, it had Jim Carrey, um, it had the black guy that's doing uh, Black Monday. If you haven't seen that, it's fucking awesome. Anyway, we'll come to you. Oh, I, Don Cheadle. Thank you, Don Cheadle. And yeah, some, I've seen it. Hey, you didn't have your honor. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's not digress. Anyway, so they were doing that round table shit and it, they turned to Sasha and Sasha was saying that, you know, like the way, the world, the world that Trump has brought in has just been so like, wow. And, and he was just so, after the 2016 election and everything that happened, he was just, because he put Borat to bed, he, that was done. And but then after that, he just needed a voice. He was saying he needed, he just needed a way to keep himself sane. Um, and he didn't talk about it, but he's saying he's. And that that was about a year and a half ago, eighteen months ago. And he's like, I'm working on something. You know, we'll see. I can't really talk about it there. And really? just see the masterclass of what he's done with. This stuff. Now, this is the thing. The thing about what he does is whether you love his comedy or hate him, the the work that goes into it, not even just in just the gags, in getting past secret servicing, um, you know, getting backstage, all of this stuff, like stuff that he did. People interview him and he goes, "I can't, I can't tell you how we do that." Mm. You know, as uh, Matt's just said. He, he's shamed, he has to bring uh, the pride back to Kazakhstan um, and he agrees to, to bribe Mike Pence into sleeping with his 15-year-old daughter, who is number three prostitute in all of Kazakhstan. Um, and so, but she's been living in the shed um, and she has no idea about how to be a woman one of this. So all of these things happening and that's their journey into the States. So they get there and everyone recognizes him as he gets a fat suit, disguises himself, but his his daughter's his daughter. No one knows her. Um, he goes to a shop. She buys um, some uh, uh, cakes, and there's one cake with a baby on it. Ah, <laughs> uh, the abortion, the abortion clinic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was so anyway, turned by this. She's eating this thing. It's delicious. She accidentally swallows the, the novelty baby inside it and they're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? We need to go to a clinic. Now, I don't know what state they are, but it's an, they're not, they go to a doctor's, but it's an anti-abortion state. And so he's going there as the father, talking about his daughter and that's the setup. And that scene just had me crying because the man's going, it's okay to love your daughter. And then he's starting to realize, they said, no, I put baby inside. I put, I'm a father, I put baby inside her. Can I, just, can I just add in on this real quick? Like, y'all are, are laughing, but like, 
and and I'm sure Tim, I'm sure Tim, you said there's some Salt Lake, and there's a big there's a big religious presence there as well. But but oh, yeah. as far as the South, like Southern Baptist, like you were like I got people out here that 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 I work with that are like, yeah, I'd be willing to gun down an abortion clinic, like like it, it, it's real serious shit down here. And, and but the thing that gets me is like. The guy, what you were saying was he, he's trying to come to terms with the fact that, you know, that Borat's sitting there saying, I put this baby in my daughter. But, like, I, we, we live in a country where, like, there's states that say, hey, look, if your father did this, like, you can't get an abortion because this is what God wants for you. That, and so you see shit like that, and you see this person actually reacting like, hey, it doesn't matter. You know, it, that doesn't matter. God wants this. And you're thinking to yourself, like... Dude, you've never read the fucking Bible. This is not what God wants. He burned down a whole, like, two fucking cities for shit like this. Like, yeah. he's wrath and brimstone, dude. Calm down. Anyways, I just wanted to add in a southern perspective of that because watching that scene was gut-wrenching because it like, leaves a stone's throw from where I'm sitting in my car right now. <laughs> but how good is uh, Maria, is it Bakalova? Like, just the, for an unknown actress to be able to put into the fire like that and be able to think on her feet... And just the the way that she delivers lines, like um, one of my favorites, and it was just completely disposable, but it's one that stuck. And she goes, no, monkey ate himself. Like <laughs> 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 that. And then, but like at times you, you can hear like the adoration in it as well. And like when she says like, my daddy is the smartest man in the whole world. And it was such, for something that's, such an abrupt and bludgeoning form of comedy that to have like such nuance and especially as uh, as a relatively unknown actress, I thought she was really, really good, really impressive. Yeah. Did y'all did y'all hear that they raised like a hundred and ten thousand dollars for that babysitter? Uh, yeah. The the woman, yeah, the woman that like drove her to the to to do the like the boob really? job and everything. Like they raised a hundred and ten thousand dollars for her. Wow. Um, the one, the one thing that I did learn uh, while after not just watching the Borat movie, but I was watching an interview that he did uh, after it came out. Um, in the very first movie, the only person that was in on all the fucking pranks the whole time was uh, what's her name, um, Pamela Anderson. Pamela Anderson yep. was in on it the entire time, yeah. and that's what fucked up her. That's what got her divorced with Kid Rock. Was Kid Rock did not want her. Kid Rock did not want her doing this movie. And when he showed the movie to her and Kid Rock, it ruined their fucking marriage. No. And you know what? I feel like that's probably the second or third greatest thing that Borat's ever done. <laughs> is save Pamela Anderson from Kid Rock. So true. Uh, How did you guys feel about the um, the Giuliani bit? Because I think for me, the, whether or not she's introduced as a fifteen-year-old, she is a twenty-five-year-old woman who is clearly attractive and clearly and obviously coming on to him and he doesn't know he's being filmed. Now, for me, I think there's an argument for entrapment. If you're putting someone in a situation to fail, then it made me question like the moral fortitude of what they were trying to do to him. My one thing about it is, and we won't get into politics, uh, I don't particularly like Rudy Giuliani at all. One bit. I, I don't have anything good to say about him, so I won't. So... What I will say is, when I first heard this, there was a compromising scene. I heard his excuse immediately is, I was trying to tuck in my shirt. And I'm like, oh, that's what somebody who's saying was trying to jerk off. Like, I'd say that shit too. Like, <laughs> and, then, and then check it, dude. I watched the fucking scene, man. And I'll tell you this much. When I watched the scene, after hearing his excuse and watching him, dude, he's like, he's like decrepit. He leans back, he's tucking in his shirt. 
if I thought he was doing something, if I thought he was doing something like questionable, man, like straight, I'd be the first one to jump on it. But like, what got me was, man, like, like you said, it was entrapment. But like, the thing that they're accusing him of is is, is sick, dude. It, it, it's yeah. wretched. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, I got a problem with that because if it was something where, like I said, where you can see the video and he's clearly like fucking doing a menage <laughs> moi with her in the room, like. Yeah, dude, fuck yeah, let's roast this motherfucker. Yeah. But, like, I really think they, they put him in a compromising situation, and I think that they really distorted it. And I think for a lot of things, that would be okay, but in this particular thing, when we're talking about, like, a 15-year-old being sexually, like, assaulted by a grown-ass man in power, like, it's a touchy fucking subject. And so if we're, if we're looking at it through the lens of, um, you know, morally right. I think it was super fucked up, and that was the one problem that I had was, you know, it's okay to play jokes and shit like that, but at the end of the day, let's not do a mass fucking marketing campaign of this guy being a child predator. Because yeah. while I think he's corrupt and morally wrong, I don't think that he would do that. Yeah. And so that to me was crossing a line. But that's that's my feelings on it. Because at the end of the day, those are some serious things you're, you're, you're accusing this man of. And whether, you know, she's 25 or not, like, yeah. uh, those are those are some serious charges, yeah. man. Like, you joke around about that shit. There's people that spent 40 years in prison on some shit that, like, yeah. never happened. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah. I got a problem with that. But, I think but as I well, mean, when you look at all the Epstein stuff that's happened just this year, like, is it in bad taste to parody <laughs> that? But not, not just that. In today's climate. You yep. know, it's a yeah. joke, but these jokes can ruin people's lives, right? And yeah. in the movie, I don't know if they put it into context. Like, is she this high school girl that's dreaming no. to be a reporter and no. presented? Like, so that, is it clear that she's 15 years old? No, it's not. It's no, not. It's no, not. No, so, no, no, no. At, at that point, at that the point, the package is just yeah. setting him up to fail. No, no. And be so, this, okay, like, so look, there's two things here. There's the, there's the meta of it, right? Of like, off, off screen, and it is off screen, on screen. Now, I knew all the shit that was happening off screen on Twitter and shit, and it was hilarious. Um, I ain't seen none of the wretched shit. I just saw, like, ribbing him. And I was just like, fair game, because you've been Mr. Duplicitous and switch sides and talk the talkers, whatever suits you, so you're about to get your just dessert. Um, and then my wife, who I was watching it with, didn't know none of that. And just saw the scene and just thought, oh my God, he's da 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 da. But I knew the hype behind it. And clearly, you can see as an old man, he's just like, oh, I can't even put my stomach in. Let me just. It's the fact that he was literally, I mean, literally salivating in the scene. Before, like, drooling like. Blah, blah, blah. What? You see the drill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, like, so let's not, you know, let, let's kind of use use our, our left and right brains is that we know that yeah. in that scene he didn't know that she was 15. None of, at, at no point was she a 15 year old she was just an attractive no. woman in that scene and she looked older than 15 yeah. in that scene she, she's right. leading him she's yeah. you know yeah. she's yeah. one who's the instigator of the situation yeah. he not like you know the whole time she's leading him into these situations where yeah. you know you're a six-year-old guy you're with a young 25 year old woman and she's inviting you yeah like i mean he, he's like, gonna it, be professional though it's a very slippery slope you it's know who he like, is. Yeah. he's who he it's is very it's and very his, slippery his, his, his whole campaign and his whole crew you know like come on he should have been like 
yeah, as a yeah, Republican as well. Yeah, can you say that? As a Republican married with his cousin, he shouldn't have done it. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. Because he's married, he's married to, his to his cousin. No, yes. <laughs> Wouldn't doubt it, man. Them northern folks are weird. <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely, it definitely treads a dangerous line. Like it definitely yeah. treads a dangerous yeah. line. Yeah. No, I, was like, I didn't. I didn't. I I think they crossed the line in what they were accusing him of. But at the same time, like I I know that it's comedy, and I don't get it upset or offended yeah. at, at, at stuff like that. And so, like, it was funny. But at the same time, like, you really could ruin that whole man's fucking that's life. Right, that's it. Not everyone has a sense of humor. That's what I'm talking about. Social media is a monster. And there's so many people waiting in the shadows to pounce on anyone and anything that goes against their views and just tear it apart. I'm telling you, I don't trust none of these fuckers I meet on social media, dude. They're all fucking wild. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't, if I don't know you in real life, like if we never just hung out, like me and Matt and and and, and Brian and, and Ollie, like you know, we kick it, dude. We go down to the Corner Street Bakery, dude. We get, we get scones and shit. And just, <laughs> I I thought uh, in this one I was more aware of like how much is, how much of these people are are aware, especially when he goes to the log cabin. He meets the guy in the street and just says, "Can I can I live with you?" And then they said yes, and then they're quite complicit in the way that the film develops going forward. Now, if those guys had just said no, how would they have got to what had to be the ending? <laughs> So th this is the this is the thing. All he would have to do is say, "Look, um, I'm, we're doing a film, uh, and we need some place to stay, and this is the setup." Now, mm. remember, you've got a reality star as a fucking president in that country. So, if you walk up to two bods in the street and go, "We're doing a reality film," and we, you know, you do all of that off screen, and then you say, "Okay, now we're going to do this. Just make it look real and play along." Yeah. Brian, I can almost agree with you, but I'll tell you this much, man. Like, y'all are really, really underestimating uh, Southern hospitality. Like, I, you, you, you really don't understand. Like, that we may be like that we may be fifty years behind the times, but we will still help people out in need, even if we don't like them or their people. Like, I, I'm telling you, I was, I was broke down. I had somebody steal my credit card information, and, and I was broke down in Athens, Texas, out of the way. I was three hours from home. I had no way to get fucking home. And a dude heard me on the phone with my bank and walked up and was like, hey, man, I heard what's going on. Uh, how much cash do you need to get to, to get home? And I was like, dude, I need like 30 bucks in gas. And he filled my fucking car up, and he said, you have a nice day, and he sent me on my way. I'd never met this guy. That's what I'm saying, like, I'm not saying that he didn't walk up to me and say, I'm filming this, like this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. Very well. He could have said, I'm filming this. I need a little bit of help on somewhere to stay. And I guarantee you, those people were confused by him. They'd have gone, okay, well, this is what Jesus told me to do in Sunday school, so I need to take this man home and let's learn him his ways. They fed him cornbread and fucking fried chicken, and he had a good fucking dinner. He yeah. laid down in a nice one. And when he woke up in the morning, they were like, all right, now here's the Bible. <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, like, dude, it's not out of, it, it, it's really not out of the norm for down here, man. Wow. Like, 
Like yeah, the dinner yeah. party, the dinner party scene in the first movie depends entirely on that. Like they basically tolerate Borat. Um, I'm one of those Debbie Dot balls, dude. That was so hard to watch. <laughs> I mean, I knew something was coming, but oh my god, I, that I was, was all my fingers. I was like, I had arthritis in like. Yeah. I was more scared no. watching that scene than Mungo, late Mungo the week before. Let me tell you that much. The reason I watched Borat, dude, Dakota had left the room and I saw it was on Amazon and I like clicked on it. She was like, what's on? And I was like, oh, I'm just watching a trailer. And then the next thing you know, we're like, we're an hour into the movie and she's like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, baby, just <laughs> watching the debutante ball. And, and in my mind, like it's super cringy, but I have attended one of those. I was an escort to a young lady for her debutante ball. Wow. And those things are... You wanna, hey, old Goose was at the cotillion getting fucking tipsy with some high class folks. And I tell you, I come from the mud. I was not supposed to be there. They put up with a lot of shit. I was, I'm telling you, y'all think, y'all think old girl with her like monthly stains was on, on fire. I'm out there telling people like, oh shit, dude, I wouldn't pay that much for that stupid fucking car. What are y'all doing? And they're just like, well, bless your heart. Wow. Does anybody have anything else they want to add or should we go on to uh, what we've been reading? Nobody? Go on. Okay, cool. So um, let's go. And I always, I realized in weeks gone by that um, that when I say let's start and go clockwise, that obviously I'm in the middle of my screen, you're in the middle of your screen. So I've been saying, let's start with Brian and go around. And then you're like, Brian's not at the top. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but he's at the top of my list, so you better get fucking used to it. <laughs> no, I'm not going, look, I'm just going to borrow it. I'm not going first. Someone else has to pick up the mic. Okay, so um, let's say we'll start with Tim. What have you been reading, Tim? So I want to highlight two titles this week. One is, and I'll just hold them up. This one's called The Unkindness of Ravens, which is a boom book. Um, I'm a big sucker for like the coming of age stories so like high school where it's like a mature book with the stars like a high school student or a college student it's so like a giant days or like this um so i'm a sucker for that alone and then boom just does that better than everyone um <clears throat> so this book has to do just as a setup new girl moves to town she looks mysteriously like a girl who went missing and there are two competing like cliques of students in her school both vying for her attention and there's sort of sort of like some mysterious like magical stuff going on so i think it's just a very very fun uh, potentially very dark uh, type of um, indie book, uh, which I love. It's only two issues out. So, and I know Boom is good at getting their trades out really quickly after an arc concludes. So um, you can pick up the issues or wait for the trade. I, I highly recommend it. And the second one is called The Scumbag, um, which is an image book. Uh, it's so good. This is a Rick Remender book, actually. Um, and the, the setup here is that the, the, the world has basically gone to a, a kind of apocalypse. And the only person that can save it is the literal worst person on earth. So it's like a dark comedy. I really like it. Um, I'll go next, if that's all right with everybody. I'm going to double dip as well from a, from a previous week. Now, um, Benjamin <laughs> did uh, X-Force recently, and I thought it was the best of the Dawn of X titles. So I was pretty excited to find out that um, Year Zero had uh, come out, and he was doing indie stuff already. I'm actually, he, he's another one of these guys that Marvel have outsourced work to. I can't remember where he came from, but he was in another form of uh, literary. Is that right? 
let's fuck it, whatever. He was writing something for somebody else, doing something else at some point. But what I like about this is a zombie, um, is a zombie title, is it's not focusing on just one person who is thrown into an unsuspected circumstance and then they have this um, great personal growth and they find out that they're actually a warrior princess and they just never had the opportunity. Or it's somebody that was a bit downtrodden in the regular world and then they just find out that they're um, just better suited to the apocalypse and their set of skills are illuminated by circumstance. The brilliant thing about this is the um, three or four, I think it's four different sets of people it focuses on were invisible before the uh, zombie apocalypse. So you have downtrodden uh, wives in Afghanistan. You have um, a, uh, a homeless kid that's um, living, living, living it rough on the streets. You have um, a guy in his 40s that's just lonely and doesn't do anything except for play video yeah. games and completely isolated. And then there's a hitman. And all these people, by their mm. nature beforehand, were almost invisible. Like you wouldn't know they were there. And it's about how these people who were invisible are still invisible. And it's about how this, um, all the things that uh, inhibited them before, this invisibility is now something that is a key component to survival. And I thought it was a really, really clever take on it. So I'll, I'll recommend that one. I've subbed one in. Um, I was gonna uh, talk about uh, Jed Mackey who is somebody that I talked about last week with Daredevil, and I've picked up a couple more of his titles, but I've bought Black Cat, and I've also bought, um, which of the one have I bought? Oh, um, Daughters of the Dragon. Uh, so I want to talk about him next week instead. But I've, uh, Ice Cream Man, Volume 5. Now this is uh, W. Maxwell Prince. And this is, this is a great series. I think every volume's as good as the last, if not better. But I'm at the point now whereby... I, I expect the perversions and I expect the, the sort of despicable twists that come in each of the parts of this sort of uh, anthology. But the actual Ice Cream Man has been spectral, he's been physical, he's been any number of things. And I kind of wanted it to be a little bit more revealing by this point. Five volumes in, that's 20 issues, and we're still none the wiser if he's just this catalyst or if he's like the Crypt Keeper. I need to know something now. I need something to be given to me. Like American Horror Story, each of the seasons is different. I need to know what ties them together. And I'm at a point now where I need something to be given to me to let me know. I think in the very first one, there was, was in the very first volume, he was in the woods and he turned into a werewolf or something like that. And you thought that that was going to be maybe, he was this like Pennywise character that was lurking and appears as, each individual's fear, but he, like I said, he goes from physical to spectral to someone that's um, almost a narrator. And I, I, I simply want to know what the fuck he is now. So that's that one. Now this one was just a bit of fun. Charles Saul, She-Hulk, um, the start and the beginning mm -hmm. of it are a little bit, a bit shit. Like they're kind of arbitrary sort of um, issues where she does something or meets up with somebody and, and it's not not that good. But the middle five or six issues, she um, is confronted by Steve Rogers, who has had a, uh, a pre-war circumstance that's been brought back up and he's been civilly prosecuted. And uh, it's Matt Murdock against 
Jennifer Walters in the courtroom for the first time. And yeah. the great thing is, is that it's, I see it as the opposite of Jessica Jones, because every single thing I've read about her is that life's shit and, oh, why can't I just have a day to myself with me and Luke? Oh, but some tragedies just happened. Oh, something's happened to one of my friends. Oh, I'm still a miserable bitch. Oh, let me fucking moan all the way through this fucking book. Oh my God, I've saved the day, but I'm still just fucking miserable all the fucking time, but I'm still a mum, so you have to have sympathy with me. This is the opposite. You've got a, a female protagonist that is just fucking positive about absolutely fucking everything all the way through. No matter what gets thrown at her by Matt Murdock, she just stands there and she says, I respect you. You've fucking done me. I've got no way back for this. And the way that... She just, just embraces it all. It's just fantastic. And the way that the Steve Rogers part of it, I won't give her anything away in case anyone wants to pick this up. It's so clever. And you f actually find out bits about um, Steve Rogers that I've never seen anywhere else. It isn't previously a part of his law. So it's just a really fun read. I'd recommend that if you're either a fan of Captain America or She-Hulk, or even just of me and you want to impress me by buying shit that I've been reading. So, you know, you can... <laughs> Fill <laughs> your beats, lads. Right, that's me over and done with. Let's go to Joe. What have you been reading, Joe? All right. Well, as I try to do, I try to get a book from each of the big two in an, in an indie. So I'll start with my DC for this, this week. And this week I caught up on Hellblazer. Mm. So I read issue seven all the way to the most recent that came out this week, number 11. And let me tell you, it is a goddamn shame that this book got canceled. This book is amazing. Uh, you have uh, Simon Spurriers, who's the writer. And there's two artistic teams on this book. One is uh, Aaron Campbell and Jordi Belair does the colors. And then you have, oh, uh, here we go again with names here. Uh, Adipya Didiker. I don't know if I pronounced. Oh, she's the letterer. But the other artist is uh, Matthias Bergaro, who also does Coda with Spur Spurrier. Okay. So depending on this, they do about two, three story arcs and they switch the artists. And both are amazing. They each have their strong points and their weak points. Like Campbell is much more dark and moody, more macabre. Uh, so when the story is more, less action, it's, it's excellent. He creates a mood where you don't need action. It draws you in. And then... Matias has more of an energetic vibe to his art. So when, when you get to a story that has more action, they bring, I think they bring him in specifically for those and they both do an amazing job with the story. Just amazing. So uh, I don't know how well this book is selling, but if you want to go pick it up, you could probably find most of the issues still at uh, your comic shop, probably. I don't know. But Spurrier's, and I've read this and I've read his Alienated and I'm starting to turn into a Spurrier fanboy, man. This guy... So far, what I've been reading, I love it. Love it. I love his stuff. Have you read so, God Shaper? No, but I have that on my digital queue. It's there. I'm going to get to I it eventually. Really but that. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I, also, I read recently a couple of his X titles. Um, I read his, uh, uh, the one Legacy? that was focused on um, David Hallett. Legacy? Legacy. Yeah, X-Men yeah. Legacy. And I also read um, his run on X-Force. And they're, then they're really unconventional, um, the way that they, it's not a classic sort of protagonist, antagonist, leading to confrontation and then resolution. There's a lot more twists and a lot, it's a lot better staged. And 
the way that both of those titles just completely throw you for a loop and the way that it plays with your expectations and then subverts it, he's a really strong... I, he could easily write screenplays or, or novels. Yeah. He's that good. And the payoff. The payoff in his yeah. books are great. You get started, it starts a little slow, but by the end, that payoff is worth re going through that book. Like mm -hmm. He gives you a good payoff at the end of his stories. Like I mean, well, well worth the read. So I, I strongly suggest to go pick that up. All right, now hit Marvel, which is obviously you know what I'm going to talk about. It's probably one of the few Marvel books I read. Immortal Hulk, baby, number 39. This book, I say it every time I read it. It's amazing. They they're, they don't let up. Like, uh, you'd think after 39 issues, you'd be like, oh, okay, it's getting repetitive. No way, man. They just, they bring it every issue. And this leader, the way Bennett draws the leader in this, like, hunched back, fat body with skinny arms and legs. He looks like a tree frog. And anyway, it's just creepy looking. And there's a scene in this, and I'm not going to spoil it because I know Brian started reading it now. But man, there's always one one page or a few pages and panels where they, they just, it, like Goose likes to say, what the fuck? Like, you're just like, wow. They just blow your mind. Just blows your mind. It was it was so good. It was so good. Like, I can't recommend this book enough to anyone. Uh, but if you don't like body horror stuff, it might not be your jam. But, uh, yo, man, that's, uh, they, they bring it and it's worth, well worth the read. And for my final one, I'm going with uh, Jeff Lemire's Colonel Weird. Oh. So anyone that's read Black Hammer already knows exactly who this is. And anyone who's read Black Hammer knows that Jeff Lemire must have been, like DC must have been his favorite thing when he was a kid because Black Hammer is DC in a like bizarro world. You know, like, and his take on all these characters and, oh, uh, it's just great. It's great. Great character development. You like, I, I can't say enough good things. And Colin O'Weird just picks it up. You know, like it, it's, he's got that whole, I think he was kind of inspired by uh, Dr. Manhattan, how he lives in past, present, future, all at once and trying to manage all this. And like, he knows, like, just like Dr. Manhattan, he knows everything, everything that's going to happen again. And in this book is about him losing that. All of a sudden, he can't see the future and everything all simultaneously. So it's about him trying to regain that uh, that idea. So and uh, you got a great artist on this, Tyler Crook. This guy is a fucking beast. He does everything, A to Z, the lettering, everything you see on that page, he put on there. This guy is a motherfucking beast, man. This guy, when it comes to comics, uh, there aren't too many that do it as good as him. When creating the whole page, everything on that page. And it, it's, it's a beautiful book. It's, it's really good. Oh, and speaking of Jeff Lemire this week, I was going around, I heard some news that he is teaming up with none other than Jock, man. Yeah. Uh, called up on a project. It's a comicsology original called the uh, snow angels. When I heard that, man, I was like that, you know, like, Oh, Jeff Lemire and Jock. Oh, I can't wait for that to come out. So that, those are my three three jams for the week. So next up, I guess, would be Tim or Goose. I oh, know Tim already went. So, Goose, so Ollie, do you want to go or 
Uh, I can, but uh, I won't be able to speak as much as you guys. Oh, okay, for friend. Uh, full disclosure, uh, I received my comics uh, month late in a box. All my comics for, for the month uh, in the same uh, box. So uh, I received them uh, later than you all. So my picks, uh, there was Iron Man 1. Because it's the first time since Fractions Run that I have the impression that Tony Stark is well written. I loved the integration of soci social media messages and uh, the, re the reactions of the people when uh, Iron Man is saving the day. And Cafu's uh, art is really, really <coughs> awesome. It was the selling point of Valkyrie, and it's still the same uh, on this book. Uh, it's really awesome, and uh, I want to see uh, Tony Stark that's trying to be humble and uh, will uh, will fail because he's Tony Stark. But uh, it, it's gonna be a really great ride. I'm pumped for this. Uh, there was uh, Black Widow too, because Elena Casagrande on art, and it's gorgeous, and I, I can't. I can uh, look at this uh, at this comic for days, for hours long. Uh, it's really great, and it's a great work from uh, Kelly Thompson, who's disappointing me on Deadpool. I, I don't like uh, I don't like uh, her Deadpool uh, work, but uh, she's really great on Black Widow, and uh, on the second issue, all the interaction between Hawkeye and uh, Bucky Barnes were awesome. It was really, really funny banter back and forth, and uh, it was really worth the read. And uh, last one, yes, just Marvel. Uh, X of Swords, Ten of Swords, if you listen to it, man. Creation. Because it's great, he's setting up a lot of things in the global X-Men mythology. We learn a lot about Apocalypse, about Arako, Krakoa, and uh, it's really, really interesting. And I finally, finally, with this one shot, I'm starting to understand how the world works. <laughs> so I'm glad. <laughs> because uh, reading Excalibur, I don't understand half, half of it. So with this, it's finally starting to make sense. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Good stuff, pal. Um, so last up, Goose. Set the goose loose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just want to. I just want to add. Are we calling it X of Swords or are we calling it Ten of Swords? I think it's Ten of Swords. Ten of Swords. It's Ten okay. of Swords. Yeah, it's very confusing. I once there was a the, our local theater once put on these triple uh, X Roman plays, and I went to go check them out, and there was no sex. It was just thirty plays. Uh, <laughs> so um, first up, first up on the list. I haven't read it yet. I haven't read it yet. Full disclosure. But I've been so pumped for it since I saw it, and it's finally in. Because, uh, like Ollie, uh, I get my comics a couple of weeks late because uh, I get them. I, I have to order mine. I don't have a local comic store within an hour of where I'm at, so I get all my stuff ordered from Peter. Um, 
Excuse me, Peter out in uh, like Wisconsin. It's it's dope. But uh, first up is Dracula, motherfucker, uh, from Alex DeCampi. This is a image hardcover. I think it's like ninety six pages. Um, been waiting on it forever. It's really cool. It's Dracula super super dope. It's really called Dracula, motherfucker, <laughs> and you should pick it up. And the, the title alone got me. When when Alex DeCampi was like, I'm making a book. It's called Dracula, motherfucker. I said, I'm buying a book. It's called Dracula, motherfucker. Let's put it on my shit. So it's huge. I'm excited. I, I haven't got to read this weekend. Um, this is uh, this is my best friend, everybody. This is Bryce. He is uh, he came up. We haven't got to see each other for like a year, which is the longest we've been apart since like we met. And um, so he got to come down for Halloween weekend and got to meet his godson finally, which is great. Uh, so we've been hanging out and I haven't got a chance to read, but I did get a chance to read. Uh, this is backing up on what Ollie said. Uh, fucking Iron Man number two. Uh, this is from Christopher Cantwell and Cafu. And so what gets me is um, is it is a more humble Tony Stark. It is a it is a less powered Tony Stark. We are going back to the original suit. The suit has been designed by Alex Ross. And Catholics ran with that design. We're getting a more humble Tony Stark. And it's the first time I've really fucking cared about Tony Stark. I never have. Not when the movies came out, none of that shit. I've, ne- I've just never been a Tony Stark guy. Like, Iron Man's never been my never been my dig. Like, that's not my bag, baby. And uh, so now that now that somebody is, is writing it and it has me interested, because when I first saw it, issue one, it came out and I, I, I saw it in the solicits and I said, all right, well, let's fuck ever. Well, then it came out, and I saw some people that I trust that were like, yo, this shit is where it's at. And I'm like, ah, I got to check it out. Issue number one was fan-fucking-tastic. Issue number two just follows up with how great it is. That's going to be my Marvel book of the week. Um, my DC book of the week, um, of course, I'm a slut for him, y'all. It's Batman. Uh, I think this is a week late, but it's the uh, 101 it's Grifter issue. I have stayed away from the Batman main title. Uh, since I got back into comics, I have followed Detective Comics. I got Batman to Max. I got all kinds of shit. I've saw. I've fallen off. I didn't even get into Joker War, but that was when I heard we're gonna have some original Wildstorm characters like Grifter. I got that for a little cheap, so I'm happy about that one. But I'm excited about. It. I haven't read this one yet either, but I'm gonna read it later on today, and I'll let you know if uh, Tinian is still rocking shit. Um, my last one is my uh, is my indie for the week, and that is uh, Engine Ward. Uh, if you guys haven't been on this, uh, the story's fan-fucking-tastic. And Joe Eisma, the artist, uh, not only is he a Texas, na- Texas native, uh, but he's also just super fucking cool. He's doing the Nancy Drew books that I've been buying for my fiancé as well. Um, if you haven't got a chance to check it out, um, basically, there's a, there's a seed that these people find that could fix all their problems, but then there's these, like, gods that are the... Um, Fuck the the signs, the astrological signs. There's like Gemini and Leo and all that shit, and they're wholly content on keeping these people uh, oppressed. And so uh, we're gonna see how it goes from there. I hope Capricorn's not a dick. Cause I kind of like that guy. <laughs> January 14th. Good. Uh, but yeah, those are my uh, those are my picks for the week. Uh, I highly recommend, especially Halloween was yesterday. Picking up Dracula, motherfucker. If not because it's just a beautiful looking book. Uh, and the name, uh, but I mean, we, we can look at the art. The art looks gorgeous. I mean, even the even the fucking like opening up the book just looks beautiful. Uh, I highly recommend it. Sixteen ninety nine. Call your local comic shop. Uh, Brian will tell me how much you love this book next week after he buys it. Because he wants to impress me like I want to impress. I'm sitting here 
add to list. Add to list. <laughs> what, what's, basically, what's basically happening like so far? Someone someone reviews one, and then the next week I'll be like, "Oh, I like that," and then I'll read it, and I'll be like, "And oh, we can do it again." <laughs> just, just reaffirm it. <laughs> Absolutely. Joe, do you want to add Yeah, your... man, I'll pick it up, I'll pick it up. So, um, so Ten of Swords, Stasis, uh, following on from Ollie, no spoilers, but essentially um, we get into uh, Team Areco. And yo, this fucking squad would make me say like, yeah, X-Men, sorry, it's your time, because they're fucking heavy. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember their names, but... You know what? I, I, I'm down with the originals. And all I want to know, I just want to see someone that get his man. That fucking twist. Couple issues back that he's the motherfucker that ripped out Apocalypse's heart. I'm like, you ungrateful fuck, man. You 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 got and he's invulnerable. You can't do anything. So I want to see how he gets his. That's 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 what I want to see happen. But Team Araco is a fucking squad and we've already seen how useless fucking cypher is so i don't know what's happening but actually they've got a use uh, a useless person who don't really want to fight either but they're not paired up so, so if you want to see what the team looks like i tweeted about it in the week go for my timeline it's dope uh no spoilers i'm giving away um another marvel book was um doom eight uh, and I, I'm I'm loving Doom, man. Doom has impressed me as I've grown into more cerebral territory. Uh, when I, you know, when I moved Can't well writing that as well. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and oh, and, John Andrew, yeah, what, what he's doing with Doom is is putting you inside his head. Of course, I mean he's a, he's already escaped death and escaped hell. Uh, and come back, you know, like every fucking legendary Marvel character has to die and crawl back through hell, like not even death can stop him because they're so fucking immaculate. Doom's done that, but when he comes back, he's kind of just like, just scraping around for, for bits and pieces and, and trying to get shit done. But this issue, what's disappointing about it is that it's only 16 fucking pages. Rather, so like, it's not 23. So 16 pages, but every page is a beautiful set piece. It's an immaculate spread, and it's almost like it's a bridge. So it's like a culmination of stuff that's happened or happening, and it, it's kind of setting up this wonderful story arc, but I'm not quite sure where it's going, because the way that you thought it was going, it kind of isn't. Now, I don't know if that's something to do with all the delays of COVID, because it, that was one of the books that was delayed. And maybe they've gone, or oh, let's just throw that out and bring it together. I don't know, but we'll see. Now, the next book, um, which I haven't read, but I'm going to recommend it anyway because I was reading it. And but I, I just took it off my pull list because I'm just all about the X writer right now. Um, is uh, Savage Avengers, and um, that wow. book was going for ages. Now, you know, Conan. I got into Conan the Barbarian. There's Conan. There's Conan the Barbarian, and there's Savage Avengers. And I saw the, the play. Yeah from a couple of years back, and I was just like, yeah, yeah, they're bringing back Conan, let me just swerve that. Um, and I saw it, and I was just, actually, this is fucking good. So I was just like, do I pick up Conan, do I pick up the Barbarian? So I picked up the Barbarian, and I've got volumes of that shit to read. Um, but with Savage Avengers, what made me really pick it up was when I saw that Doom was in it, and I was like, yo, what the fuck? 
and Doctor Strange. I'm like, go on. And Electra, what the fuck? And Boom is porking, not Boom. Steven is porking Electra. I'm like, oh my God, does Matt Bird know what the fuck's going on here? Like, I'm, I have to pick up this book. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And in the latest issue, um, they're trying to deal with this mad sorcerer that's traversing time called Kulan Death. You, they can't kill him, they can't touch him, and he's fucking shit up. But he's called upon fucking magic, Hellstrom, Wolverine, Doctor Voodoo, Black Widow, and yeah, and a whole load of more people. So I've got to eat into that and see what the fuck's going on, man. But that's me. Is that still um? Is that who is writing the who? Dugan. Sorry, who's um? Yeah, who's the creative on that? Because was it? Uh, I know it was one of it was Diodoto's last. Um, yeah. Um, that that's Dugan that's writing it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Gary Dugan? Yeah. 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 I, I was on the first, like, nine issues. I need to catch up on it. Uh, I dropped it when I left uh, Fort Worth, and I left my old LCS, but it was kick-ass when I was fucking reading it. Like, the first nine issues, I love Conan. I think I talked to Matt about how much I love Conan. And so Conan being in the ring. He told me. Conan being in the fucking <laughs> Conan being in the ring with, 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 with uh, Brother Voodoo and fucking, like, uh, I, I, I loved it. I loved the whole thing. I, yeah. I need to catch up on it. I'm glad it's still going well. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? It's still ongoing, man. I, I've got the yeah. first two trades. Oh, that's wicked. I'm pleased yeah. about that. It, it's fun. It's good fun. Who's the Who's the art in colorist now? Is it Is it split or who's, who's in the last couple of issues? They've been switching it up, and I think this this the latest one's got got a new one. It's um, Patch Zerka is a new one. So it's Duggan still. Okay. Dead. Others are penning it, but they've been switching the artists for the last two, three issues. How do you find that? Because when um, um, Sulio was doing uh, Extraordinary X-Men, he had a different artist each week, and I thought it'd be really jarring. But the mm. strength of Saul's writing would overcome... The, the writing is holding the narrative. Yeah, yeah. And every book where they've been doing it is almost like a chapter. So it's another chapter in the story. So it isn't like continuation of the last scene and they're like wait hang on it's a kind of like okay this is the next bit and then that next bit happens so it's almost as if it, it shapes it in an, in, a, in a nice way that continues the story yeah i know um i picked up the is it busiak or busek how do you pronounce his name busiak. 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 i like the confidence with which you said it so i'm going to say it the same <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have to speak with confidence and nobody's ever going to believe you who am I trying to kid? I could never sound like you. <laughs> All I do is sit in front of the mirror and talk myself, talk myself naked every day. <laughs> if you can't baffle them with brilliance, man, dazzle them with bullshit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, so that's everybody, isn't it? Everyone's done their reading, I believe. Um, Joe, do you want to pick up a Kickstarter? Uh, yeah, uh, there's uh, one that's pretty good from uh, Neurobellum Productions. They have a new book coming out on, and then they have the Kickstarter going on. Uh, Wakomo, and these guys, when they do a Kickstarter, man, the stretch goals are insane. So if you're going to back a book and you want a bunch of extra stuff thrown in there, back one of their projects on Kickstarter because their stretch goals, man, they have a ton. So when you back a book, man, it pays off because 
they're pretty popular. This this got back within the first 12 hours. No. So they're stretch goals, man. They're hitting their stretch goals. It's insane, man. Outrageous. And uh, I think they've already reached two or three of their stretch goals. Like I I backed the Aster of Pen, and I think they got up to like six stretch goals that they managed to get. Like I'm getting, a, I'm gonna be getting a box, man, when I'm when my shit comes in from them, a huge box. So anytime you see anything from uh, Neurobellum Productions, back that on Kickstarter because you're gonna get to be getting a bunch of freebies with it, guaranteed. So. I think this still has uh, 15 days left to back. So you have plenty of time to get on there and go back that. So, 